Hey, this is Matt Dwyer, and I just want to invite you to check out themattdwyer.com. That's my website, where it's a landing spot for all things that are the podcast, like my Patreon page. For $5 a month, you could become a Patreon subscriber. You get bonus blogs, bonus content. A lot of my interviews go two hours, but I only post an hour, so there's the part two there. There's episodes in their entirety that unedited a lot of stories that you might not hear in the podcast so go to themattdwire.com become a patreon subscriber there's also merchandise you can buy t-shirts and a phone case i think those are the only two things i have right now but you can also find my social media and see the past episodes every episode is on there um, you can see all, a lot of my past guests. You might discover some people you didn't know were on the show and be like, holy shit, he's had Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips or holy shit, he's had Danita Sparks from L7. So go to themattdwire.com, become a Patreon subscriber, buy some merch. Thank you. Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Big Feelings from the album You Are Someone You Know by Warriors. And my guest today is Lauren DeNitzio, who is obviously in Warriors and singing that song. And they are also a great artist. I really dig the art that Lauren does. There's linked link to their... Insta, uh, Instagram. Well, there is a link to the Instagram, but also Etsy websites. Lauren has a website. Warriors has a website. Also the Bandcamp. So please go buy the music. And if you can, buy some of Lauren's art. It's really great. And there's prints on the Etsy. So get, get the prints. Um, I had a sinus infection while we recorded the interview. And now, as I record this intro, I have COVID. <laughs> uh I'm I don't know it's been crazy. So uh, I have struggled with this uh, intro a little bit because my brain is not fully here. I hope I'm doing a good job. But uh my partner had covid, my two kids had covid and if my marriage can survive that then I guess it can get through anything cuz it has been a fucking nightmare. It is fucking, there's me coughing. But yeah, I, I didn't know I had a sinus infection when I interviewed, this is 2022, off to a good start. Two different kinds of uh, super six, super six as I like to call it. So, but you know what's a good part of 2022? The interviews I've been doing, and Lauren is one of them, uh, and there's uh, some really great ones coming up. I believe next week is going to be Bitch, and she's great. And that's also a great conversation. But let's focus on the here and now, and that is my conversation with Lauren from Warriors. Please enjoy. I can't do it anymore. Like, I physically just can't. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I used to, boy, let me tell you, I used to really drink. <laughs> Not and then, but then I I don't know. Did have, are you a drinker? Have you been a drinker? 
yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and various, in various degrees. Um, but yeah, I still, I still drink, but also like not nearly as much as I used to. And it's just like, how did I? Oh God! Uh, I, yeah. I, I wish I could remember a lot of the fun times, and I just can't. So, I get it. Yeah, I look back. I was bartending at a bar in downtown Los Angeles, and I would drink so much Irish whiskey. And I'm just like, I think about it, and I'm like, how? How? Yeah, no. Now my body's like, you can't. Why would you even try to do that? That's not. If I have but, too much ice cream, that I feel like shit the next day. Like that's where I've now where I'm. I'm just like some lonely suburban person who's just eating ice cream to fill the void. (laughs) (laughs) Though I'm not lonely at all. I have a partner and kids, but you know. No, I get it. Um, But yeah, uh, I, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to going, going back on tour and having some, something resembling fun party nights, but. Do you, do you tend to tip the jug as they, as they say in Ireland? (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I mean, so occasionally, occasionally, not like as a rule now, but, um, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of my bandmates especially have also like been touring for a long time. So no one, no one's like new, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we're all just kind of doing our jobs and having a nice time and having a few drinks, but like, it doesn't really get too, too wild very, very I, often. I would imagine night after night too. It's like, it's not like you're sleeping on the road and it's not, it's physically fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like when you're on tour for like a month or something, you can't party <laughs> night and like feel good by the end of it. You know, it's like, we all just want to have a nice time and like feel okay. So, um, so yeah. Um, like every, every, every once in a while there will be like a, we're all chilling in the <laughs> hotel room till late kind of thing. But like, that seems so like not rock and roll at all. <laughs> But it's very fun. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, that cliche, that cliche I guess, of like, got a party. Like, that's what rock and roll is. And it's like, haven't we learned this lesson? <laughs> like, yeah. Repeatedly? Well, it's, like, we, it's, it's funny, though, because, like, I do, I feel like we do, like, party and have a good time and have so many, like, really fun memories of, like, fun late nights with, um you know, the other bands and, and our friends and stuff. But, um, at this point it's like, I can remember them in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, no, we still, it's a very fun job. It's a very fun job. Yeah. Did you fall into that trap at all when you were first starting out and thinking that was part of it? I know Uh, I've made those mistakes. (laughs) I mean, I'll tell you right now, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't know that I necessarily fell into that because like, I thought that that was what you were supposed to do, but it was definitely much more the vibe of the scene that I was in at that point. So there was definitely a lot more, a lot more drinking, um, a lot more partying, you know, house shows were like always a rager and, um, I would come back exhausted. So yeah, yeah, definitely fell, fell into that when I was younger for sure. Yeah. I treated everything like I just played Carnegie Hall. Everything. <laughs> oh, open mic? Yeah, that's Carnegie Hall. Yeah, well, I, I actually feel like performance-wise, that's a really good habit to be in, but maybe not in the um, party afterwards. <laughs> what, who, 
were some of those influences on your early performing? Like, because I know you like, did you find, I know I just asked two questions at once kind of, but like was punk, because when I was reading about you, there's a thing that I, I noticed with a lot of people, myself included, where punk is sort of this changing point in your life of music and also sort of like a, a refuge, a place of, did, did, that was your situation as well? I mean, certainly, yeah, that, that was definitely, that was definitely a part of it. And, but I think I also, um, came up listening, listening to music that wasn't just punk. So, um, so I was listening to a lot of folk and singer songwriters and, um, and also punk bands, but it was very much more of a, a DIY minded set of musicians, I guess. So like that was, I think overall the big influence on me as a young person was not just, um, you know, punk ethics or whatever, but, but a lot of, uh, artists that I like were doing it themselves, you know, like ran their own record labels, um, you know, played shows with their own communities and things. And, and, um, that I think had a, had a big impact on me more so than, um, just punk, you know, just finding out about green day in the sixth grade. So <laughs> that, that didn't make me feel old at all, by the way. <laughs> green day in the six. Oh, okay. I was, I was, I was already destroying my liver by then, but <laughs> Usually, I feel usually I'm the one that, that feels like that. So. Oh, well, I'm glad I could turn the tables on you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's crazy that, I don't I feel, is it that the DIY thing is sort of, is it having a resurgence or is it just me noticing more people doing it again? I think, I don't know that there's necessarily like a DIY revival, but I think that so many tools that are used to make music and distribute music now um, are becoming much more accessible. So I don't even necessarily know that people have a, like a DIY vibe about it so much as it's like, Oh, well I, there's no reason I can't do this myself. And the internet just makes, makes things so accessible and, um, just easy to spread things that's like why would you why would you wait for someone to give you permission to do something when there's the internet you know so yeah. I think that that's really helping people which which just feels nice yeah it's pretty that waiting for some because i just went through a few process where i pitched something and i was like everyone was like it's gonna happen and then one person was like no <laughs> and it was just and it was just like fuck i just put like half of a year of my life into this for nothing yeah i mean and and that's the thing though it's like it's it's hard to remember that like you you can produce things and get them out into the world without like the bigger infrastructure but the bigger infrastructure is always very nice yeah Yeah, very helpful it's always it's great to have somebody else's money for sure (laughs) yeah Yeah, no for sure (laughs) And is that what you were started doing with your own music? Were you just like, fuck it, I'm going to, I'm going to just go my own way. Or did you sort of try to go the other route first? Um, it's, it's weird. Cause I think, I think when I first started playing music, 
like I I had not quote unquote self released anything until um, until we put out the old friends EP last year. So my my entire you know quote unquote career in music has been at least in some part um, aided by record labels, and so that was that was always there. And even though they were smaller and independent record labels, it. I, I wasn't ever like completely going my own way and trying to do it all on my own or, you know, at that point the band was more collaborative. So all on our own, you know, um, and, um, and, and I think my feelings on it have definitely evolved over time, but I was, I, I always just wanted to get our, my music in front of as many people as possible. So however I was going to do that, <laughs> You know, like, so I was never like, oh, no, we'll never work with a label. And actually people have, I think because my old band was a little bit more staunchly DIY, people assumed my own feelings on labels and, um, you know, working within the music industry. (laughs) And I, like, didn't actually have. Um, So, so, yeah, I guess I just, I, I've always had the approach of, I like, how can I make what I want to happen happen? And if that means that I'm working with a certain label or working with a certain publisher or working with a certain music video person, like, then that's what I'm going to do. But um, but I think the the vision for it comes first or, like, wanting to play music and wanting to play shows comes first. It was the scene, because you, you came up in a scene in Jersey, correct, originally? Yeah. Yeah, New Brunswick, New Jersey. <laughs> How was that? Because I, I don't know much about New Brunswick, except they used to make bowling stuff from that city. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I was the generation after, like, Lifetime and the Bouncing Souls. So I feel like that's what a lot of people know about New Brunswick, um, is those those sorts of bands. Um, and... So there was a really big DIY and house show scene, and that's where all the bands played. And, and there were also plenty of venues in New Jersey, but, um, you know, a lot of them were all ages. Um, and, yeah, it's like there were just so many places to play shows within, like, 20 minutes. So, um, so yeah, when I started going to shows, there was just, like, a, a very big support. <coughs> generally supportive kind of supportive (laughs) scene of a lot of bands and i just saw a lot of shows in high school god that's great i didn't have that in high school like i where did you grow up i grew up outside chicago okay and then and it was uh we already know i'm old so it was (laughs) (laughs) pre-internet and like i didn't learn about like i punk was like this mysterious just thing you heard about but you i had no connection to it and then a guy gave me a mixtape after he saw me writing the doors and led zeppelin on a folder and he was like fuck that stuff and he gave me a mixtape and it just but that's all i had that's all i had access to was like shitty radio and I heard no, but like, that's a common story, yeah. Yeah. And the first song I heard was uh, I saw your mommy and your mommy's dead and I was just like, What the fuck? <laughs> like like it was literally just my everything changed from that moment on. And I Sure, yeah. And it's like, you know, when you're an awkward kid who everyone, you know, I was not I was I got the shit kicked out of me. There's there you go. <laughs> like, so to hear something out just even remotely outside and not normal is some affirmation of like somewhere out there there's something for me yeah yeah and and that um 
certainly was was part of my experience too and like and that's the thing it's like even so were yeah like could you see shows in chicago or was you were further out than that 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 wasn't really once i got a car but then i got involved in like comedy stuff like i started hanging around like improv theaters more than but i but i was obsessed with music like i went and saw again i'm old u2 in 1985 I was supposed to see the Dead Milkman, but I have social anxiety, so I didn't go. A, a show I regret not seeing my entire life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I was like 21 and stuff, I'd see Fugazi and uh, Pegboy. And... That rules. That rules. To be like in your early 20s and going to Fugazi shows, that's, that's the way to get into punk. Yeah. That was, I think, really like that early punk I liked, but it didn't there was something lacking to me. Like it just, that it, the emotional connection. And then like Fugazi, Shellac and like, uh, all that stuff sort of started really resonating with me. And yeah, no, that's cool. I just think it's interesting. I think that was what sort of what I was trying to add. Like, why is punk resonate with so many outside teenagers, even or teenagers that are outsiders, even today you hear people like, yeah, I heard punk and, I felt like something was for me and I, it's crazy. Cause now it's like fucking what? 30 years old. <laughs> it's like 40 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it, it's at least it's, it's, it spoke to me on a political level too, you know, like yeah, even, you know, listening to the, listening to Dropkick Murphy's, like, I didn't know who Jerry Brown was when I was, when it was like the night, you know, like who, what? And, um, I know exactly what you're talking about, you know? And I was like, Oh wait, what? Like local politics, what are you talking about? And, and, um, and, and realizing that there were bands who were, um, maybe anti-capitalist and, um, more radical. And there were certainly plenty of punk bands that didn't talk about any of that, but I feel like what talked, what spoke to me the most was, was a little bit more independent spirit. And it wasn't about like what was popular on the radio. It wasn't about, um, you know, being rich and fancy and glam and stuff. Um, <laughs> sorry. It, <laughs> Hi. Uh, yeah. I think also that and the different, the different definition of what su- success is Absolutely. Of, and what yeah. it means to be creative. Cause that was always, when I was a kid, it was like, if you're not rich and famous, you're not doing it right. And it's like, that looks awful. I mean, I'll take the some of that money, but like filthy rich and like famous, that just seems like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, like or the 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 goal was not just fame, you know, and and um, and I and I think. Yeah, there was a lot of that that was really attractive to me. There were a lot of things about it that I wish I hadn't listened to, you know, that I, there were certainly plenty of things about punk ethics that I think did not serve me or my friends particularly well. Um, But I think that I just, I try to hold on to the positive aspects of it and being honest to myself about like what I want my music to sound like and what, like the, sh- the types of shows that I want to play and the type of people that I want to be around. Um, that I, th- I think that I still hold those things really close for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It really, uh, yeah. It just really resonated like that. And that sort of like, I was angry and felt like it just helped me understand my surroundings. 
Like, the, like people were trying to be yuppies in my high school, and I was like, shouldn't you be enjoying yourself? <laughs> like, you're already thinking about, like, what you're going to own? Like, this just seems fucked up yeah. as a teenager. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Was there... Were you having, sort of before that, were you having creative thoughts? Were you already on your way before punk to being like, because you talked about singer-songwriter stuff. Was that resonating with you? Yeah, I mean, I, um, before, before I really got into punk, I think, although it was, it was kind of at the same time, was around the time that Lilith Fair was a thing. And um, they had, like, local submissions. So you could be on the local stage of Lilith Fair. Oh, that's and cool. And I recorded my first demo tape at my high school on a piano trying to be on the local stage of Lilith Fair. It's probably terrible. I don't know what happened to that tape. I hope nobody ever finds it. But like, <laughs> that was... <laughs> that... I, being, being a singer-songwriter was more my goal than quote unquote being in a band um until that was more of the music that I listened to and there were friends that also played music and that were in bands and and kind of showed me that that was possible um but um but yeah it was definitely the the songwriting part was was a, a thing for me since I was like 14 or 15 who were some of those people that were inspiring your songwriting at the, like your Lilith Fair song? Cause I, I totally relate to, cause I, I sent in a cassette for a stand up thing as a kid and I'm like, yeah. it was just me standing in front of my stereo speaking. And now, and, and now if we did that, it would be immortalized on the internet forever. Thank <laughs> fucking Honestly, Christ. That doesn't I would have tried to, I would have made so many videos that I would have, I would be living under a bridge right now somewhere. Like, Oh yeah. It would be bad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing. It's like, I was listening to Ani DeFranco and Dara Williams and the Indigo girls, and they were all people that just played coffee, like started off playing coffee shops. Um, so that was my, that was my reference point. For, yeah. For Ani DeFranco is a good, like, cause she was very independent and, didn't did, created her own label and I don't still still just on righteous babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened to her on some podcast and I have always been like like not fully knowledgeable of her music, but listening to her speak, I was like, what? A, I was just in love, like not like in love, like let's get married, but like <laughs> like no, but like totally badass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just like, wow, you're great, and I knew nothing about her. And she, I just randomly listened to her on some podcast. And I was like what a power no for sure so that yeah and that's the thing it's like that's what i was listening to when i was when i was a teenager so do you have any recollections of what that song could have been about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, something angsty that like i didn't have the life experience yet to be angsty about you know what i mean (laughs) oh yes i know i was trying to be 30 when i was 17 yeah no for sure and uh but that's how you, I don't know, that's how you learn, I think. Yeah. But, but also um, the c- courage to put yourself out there, which is terrifying at mm-hmm. a young age, is like, deserves the the props. Yeah. I, and I mean, I don't, like, I don't know about you, but it's like, I don't know, I don't know where that came from. Like, I still, like, I consider myself to be a fairly shy person. 
So I don't, I, I still don't understand where the, um, the motivation or confidence came from at a very young age to be like, sure, I'm going to get on stage and sing in front of people. Like, I don't know what. That just doesn't make any, it just still doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm like, sure. I, I feel like, and maybe this is the same with you, but there's this contradiction within me where I'm like, of course, I got things to say. And then there's also that side of me where I go, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> like like yeah. where I'm, I don't know, insecure and secure all at the same time. Yeah. No, no, same. I, I definitely, i I feel that way also. And I, I just, um, um, I'm glad that at this point, I don't, I mean, I'm not nervous to be on stage. I'm not nervous to play shows. I'm more like excited, but then after the fact, I'm like, what the, what just happened? What did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> but, do you kind of um, become a different individual when you're up there? Um, I try at this point. Yes. At this point, I really try to, um, in a, in a good way though. Um, do you ever surprise it, yourself? Um, like kick somebody's pitcher of beer over? <laughs> no, I, well, um, not, not to that extent. I think my, my bandmates and I have a lot more fun on stage these days, especially after the past two years. Um, we, we goof around with each other a little bit more on stage, which is really fun. Um, but, but then I, th- I think also sometimes it has happened, only a, only a few times it shows where like pe- people have been getting too rowdy or disrespectful or something. And I've had to like call people out from stage, but I will just like summon all the New Jersey attitude. <laughs> in me and just be like, no. <laughs> so in that way, in that way, sometimes I surprise myself, but, um, yeah, but, but yeah, I never thought about it until you said it, but with people having not performed in a couple years that the attitudes, I feel like what people are listening to has changed. I think people are listening to music a little bit differently. Like I had a conversation where someone's told me they listen to more lyrics now, like they're searching, but I didn't realize that like on the flip, like performing may become more, you know, less shoegaze. Not that that's still a thing, but (laughs) but like more joy because people are like, Oh my God, I haven't done this. Like appreciative. Sure. And I mean, we, um, uh, our tour, our original tour with Brian Fallon um, was canceled after the first show because of the pandemic. And at that show, we knew that, that, you know, the rest of the tour was off and, but didn't know like how long it was going to be, you know? And so I was kind of joking, like, don't know when I'm going to do this again. going to play like this is our last show, you know? And, and so then when we, when we had the opportunity to, to do another tour last year, every show, and rightfully so, because I got COVID on tour. Oh. Um, you know, every show is like, this could be the last one. This could be the last show of the tour. So we're just going to like play like our lives depended on it. And um, and it was a lot of fun. I, I wish I hadn't gotten sick, but, you know, it, it was it was a great time. Did it kill the tour completely or did you were you able to recover and come back? Well, it was it was towards the end of tour. So Warriors just dropped off the last four shows of the tour. Um, but th- I mean the rest of the tour went on without us, but, um, but unfortunately, yeah, that was, we just kind of called, called that a day. Yeah. Are, are you concerned with, cause I saw you're going out with Jawbreaker and I forget who the other band is. 
Um, well, we're playing a couple of shows with, with Jawbreaker and the Linda Lindas. And <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, but then our tour with Brian Fallon finally starts um, February 15th in Atlanta. So we're doing, um, it, starting in mid-February, we're doing like three weeks. So that, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm always concerned, but I think that at that point with the level of precaution we're taking that it should, it should be fine. Are you like, uh, holy fuck, I'm play- touring with Jawbreaker? Is that kind of a cool... <laughs> I saw your Instagram <laughs> no, it's story. Cool. No, it's very it's very cool. I'm, and I mean, I um, uh, have known Blake for a while, or like, you know, we um, kind of knew each other when I was living in Brooklyn, um, and his band Forgetters. Um, so it, it wasn't... Um, com- like completely out of left field, but it's it's definitely something that you know. When I was in my twenties and listening to Jawbreaker and they had broken up, I never thought that that would be possible. You know, like people would joke about Jawbreaker getting back together, like that's not happening. So to to play some shows with them is is really exciting. I'm 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 very excited about it. And I only saw them for the first time at Fest a couple years ago, um, and and that was that was a joy. So. I'm I'm very excited for those shows. How long have you been in LA? Uh, I've been in LA. Um, oh wow, I think three years. I think I've been, no time just two, kind of blurs two, here. Two, no, no, three years, three years, yeah. And um, uh, yeah, have not have not had pizza very very <laughs> often. <laughs> what neighborhood are you in? I'm in North Hollywood. Oh, um, I lived there for a long, very long time. Yeah, I don't know. If, okay, cool. Maybe we talked about this, but I don't think we did. I th- I did see something that said you were in North Hollywood, or really, anyway, doesn't. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of. There was an old Italian place, the place that where Robert Blake shot his wife. <laughs> That's oh. <laughs> not, not a good, not a good reference for food. I just I always do it by hits where the mob hits have been. You know yeah. the pizza. <laughs> I know that you know the place in Little Italy where there was a mob hit that my dad always used to point out <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> yep. Did you grow? Are you Ita- uh, Italian by chance? Or mm-hmm. yeah, well, ha- like my dad's side of the family is is Italian American. Yeah. Was it like old school, like oven in the in the basement type stuff? Uh, no, I mean. Uh, I mean, I watched a lot of The Godfather, <laughs> but that, I don't know, I, my, um, it, it wasn't as quite as stereotypical, but, um, you know, got, got a lot of, uh, old stories and my, uh, you know, grandparents and their family, like had a greenhouse and grew tomatoes and yeah. just, you know, lots of old, old school stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I had yeah. an ex whose grandmother was Italian and it was the oven in the basement and the, everything was like grown in their own garden. It was incredible. When we broke yeah. up, I was like, but can I keep the sauce coming? <laughs> can, can it be yeah. So- yeah, it was like all the, the cans in the basement kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like once you have that kind of cooking Italian food, it's like you can't just go and eat spaghetti. Like you're just like, oh, fuck, no way. Oh. No, and like people like uh, try to get me into going to Olive Garden, and I'm like, why would I go to Olive Garden when my family just makes <laughs> that food like at home better? <laughs> like, yeah, 
That's like just saying like, Hey, you want some Prego? Yeah, no, it's like, what I'm, yeah. But it's, and it's funny. It's funny to me. I've been dragged to, to Olive Garden quite a bit, but, um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's different when, when you come from a family that, uh, does, does that in a little bit more stereotypical yeah. way. There's supposedly, I haven't had it, but a pizza place in Atwater Village called Hail Mary that's supposed to be pretty great. Oh. I'll have to check that out. There's like a whole pizza resurgence going on in LA, but I haven't had any of it, so I can't speak to it. <laughs> well, there's, there's the, um, the other thing I, I missed when I, when I first moved here was bagels and there's, and I, now I've found my, my bagel place in LA. What's your bagel place? Bell's Bagels. Oh in, yeah. In, uh, in Highland Park. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. Anytime I'm, I or the partner is in Highland Park. It's uh, there's always the get bagels text. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I, uh, but there's great like that. That when I moved here, everyone was like, "There's no good food in L.A." And it's like, really, all these uh, Latin and Asian people, there's no good food in this really diverse culture of ours. I, <laughs> like that, and that's the thing I wasn't prepared for when I when I moved here was the fact that like there's not. I think because everyone drives because it's so spread out there. It's not like there's in, in New York where there's like any kind of cuisine you could ever possibly want will deliver to your apartment. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't exist here. Like I can't, you know, you can't, you can't just like walk a couple blocks to a cheap Chinese place, you know, or a pizzeria. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I can't get, food <laughs> like whenever i want here the <laughs> lack of late night diners when i moved here i was like you mean i can't get eggs at three in the morning when i'm drunk go fuck yourselves <laughs> <laughs> no well and some some friends and i out here have made it a thing to go to start going to diners which is really nice um when you know when it's when it's safe to do so but there's you know i found my crew of like east coast diner appreciators so oh there's a great diner i'll have to find i'll have to email you because i can't think of it but it's in van nuys and there's a great oh uh old school like it's really good i can't think i'll have to i can't remember the name of it but if you love old diner which i do mm-hmm. yeah, please. because i grew up like then i lived in chicago and it's all it's all just or when i they most of them are gone now thanks to progress um but it was <laughs> I love the word progress in place of, uh, you know, displacing. <laughs> yeah, displacing neighborhoods and gentrification. Yeah, yeah right. But uh, yeah, the Greek diner, the Greek diner was like what I grew up, and they were t- just everywhere, like just like Greek diners and bars every corner. Yeah. No. No. Exa- exactly. And like I've had to explain to my partner like what a bodega is, like living in living in New York, like not understanding that like there's supposed to be a deli on the corner that will make you a sandwich and give you a coffee at like two in the morning. Yeah. Um, I lived but, in, yeah, I lived in New York briefly and it was just like, that was, so I came here saying bodega and people were like, what? I was like, bodega. <laughs> yeah. No, I still, I still get weird looks. <laughs> <laughs> what drag? But in my defense, I, um, I realized the majority of my time in LA has been since COVID hit. So I feel like I've only like half lived, you know, like not really, yeah, <laughs> it's what's crazy about LA is like I've been here twenty years. Is you'll still discover something that like you you're like, how did I not know about this? And it'll be like some great little nook restaurant in a strip mall that's just like crazy good, and it's like a mom and pop thing. 
Yeah. No, I love that though. And that's, the th- that's why I'm excited anytime it's felt like safe to go actually physically to a restaurant or like, you know, sit outside and eat or something that, that I'm like, I get to go to a new, there's a new place. I get to go to a new bar. Like, I, um, there's, there's always, there's always something. And I don't know. I, I like it. <laughs> yeah. What brought you out to Los Angeles? Uh, I just, I felt like it. Um, <laughs> That's exactly what I just had enough in New York. I was like, I came on a whim. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had, we, you know, I had been here on tour quite a bit and I do have some, some really close friends who live out here who I love. And, um, I realized that spending time out here, I was like, I really, I really like it. And no matter what, a weird stigma New Yorkers have about LA. I was like, I think, I think I really like it out here. And, um, I was, I was lucky enough that the band really only tours, like we weren't really playing a lot of local shows in New York. So, um, between that and being like generally self-employed, I was just like, I can work from anywhere. Why don't I go where it's sunny and there are palm trees and my friends are cool. And, or like, you know, like I have, my friends are cool in New York too, but like, you know, where my friends, uh, like I do have a social circle there and, and things, things seem really rad. And I was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. So I felt like coming to LA changed me creatively. Like my approach, I think I worked harder. I, I was more focused here, which was, I don't know if that's just, I don't know. Did you feel that? Yes. Yeah. And I don't, um, I don't know. Or like, how, how do you feel about like, collaboration here like that vibe here versus chicago or new york uh i've i've collaborated a lot and i still do stuff on my own but i pref- i always prefer to collaborate because i because uh i'm i'm dumb sometimes i'm dumb <laughs> well it goes back to like having having help you know like having having that sort of infrastructure but i think i i did see immediately moving to LA that I was making more things that was like working harder or made the time to, to make more things and connected with more people and, um, you know, writing music with more people and, um, yeah, just like immediately. And it wasn't even something I was necessarily prepared for, but I was like, I made the right decision. This was, this is a, this was a good move. Yeah. And when I, I always like, I worked in comedy in Chicago, but when I moved to LA, I ended up still doing comedy stuff but i hung out mostly with musicians and i found that i'd liked that the scene a lot like i felt like it was very collaborative supportive and not like people think of it as very competitive in la and it's like i it's i found it people so welcoming and supportive and helpful yeah no absolutely i think i the there are certainly gatekeepers here but I think that it's been it's been really easy for me to find people that at the very least would like share resources and ideas and um you know refer me to people. Like I've never had so many people be like, "Oh, you're new here? You make music? You should meet this person." And like become yeah. friends. So. I've and I've had strangers offer like come oh, up wow. to me and be like, "Hey, it's and I'm I'm a suspicious person, but it usually worked out. <laughs> yeah, like what? No, like some guy. Or there was a guy. I was carrying a, a Skowhegan tote bag, which is like a, a art residency, and some random guy at a 
coffee shop was like, Hey, are you an artist? I'm an artist. Like, let's follow each other on Instagram. And it wasn't, there was no like ulterior motive, you know, it wasn't like an excuse to start a conversation. It was just like, Oh, what do you do? And follow each other. And it was just like so random, but I feel like that doesn't, I, I hadn't had that happen in, in such an organic way. Yeah. It, yeah. And I used to, when I worked in a bar, I would meet a lot of people that way. Sometimes you wouldn't remember who they were, but, <laughs> but I, and speaking of your art, I was looking at your website this morning and man, oh, I'd love your work is so good. Thank you. Like I was just, I, 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 I didn't know you did it until this morning. And then I looked at your website and I, I was, and I sent it to my partner and I was like, this is so great. <laughs> I, I, there's something about the colors you use that I personally, and I have no logical explanation, but every time I, you're like your visuals have some, they hit me in a very, I don't even know how to describe it, but it like makes me feel warm and <laughs> like, I'm just like drawn to it. And I don't know. Do you have any, uh, explanation for the choice of colors that you use? <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's, it, it's interesting because I think the, the, uh, colors I'm drawn to in my artwork are not necessarily the same vibe that I use for the, in relation to my music. Um, so I feel like that's why sometimes it's very separate to people. Like I don't tend to talk about them in the same breath, like all the time. Um, and I think I just, I, I realized kind of a while ago that I really like working from the middle ground. So like working with a color laid down first. Um, and I think I, I always used to be into like black and white and very stark things. And over the past several years I've been like, you know what? I really like bright colors, <laughs> despite the fact that I dress all in black all the time. <laughs> but I really like just have like found my favorite color blue and have found, you know, like just weird, weird things that, um, have worked for my visual vocabulary, I guess. And I just, um, just have stuck to them for a little while, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't really explain it. Cause I think I'm, tr I've been trying to like, not overthink it. You I know? guess that's probably I just want to make stuff that I like, that I think looks cool, that I think looks pretty, I guess. Yeah. I, it's just cause I can't ex explain it either, but the, I find myself drawn to very the same colors over and over and it's like this and maybe that's what the whole goddamn point of art is is like you're not supposed to like you just feel <laughs> and it takes yeah. you someplace else that you can't describe with words yeah same with music no I guess. no for sure and I, and I was just gonna say that um you know my my approach is is generally like I want to make the things that I want to see more of in the world that like I want to if I'm gonna make drawings and paintings and like fill a room with my work. I want it to be something that like, if I walked into that room that I would be psyched that like, if I was, you know, if I was a stranger walking into that room, I would, I would, um, be drawn to it or be excited by it. Um, because I think that's like the best feeling when you go see an art exhibit or to a museum or something when, when it really speaks to you and you don't necessarily even know why it's just great. Yeah. So that's, that's what I, what I go for, I guess. And I feel like that's, I find it fascinating how many musicians are also visual artists. And I, I don't know if there's any kind of connection because it is that sort of 
language of its own that makes you feel that you don't like I'm not even articulating. <laughs> I'm also on cold medicine just to throw that out. <laughs> but uh, do you feel like there's a similar approach to your art that you use with music of like, I want this to be something I would listen to like the same as you. I want to walk into a room and see that. Does that, did that make sense? Yeah. I, I think, um, for sure, absolutely, and I th- and I think that. It, but if anything, it's almost it's almost been a problem because I think that that's how the band has sort of, or how my songwriting has grown over time. Is that like, I, well, I want to make music that I want to listen to, you know, and that I that I am into right now. And just because Warriors started off sounding like one particular thing, we don't sound like that anymore, you know. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely influenced by more like what, what I want to be making and the kind of music I want to be on stage playing than like, we are a <laughs> Jason punk band that sounds like, you know, like what? I, I don't know. Yeah. That's what we sound like. I don't <clears throat> Yeah. I always, I do. When you, do you listen and, and find yourself changing what you want to, I'm that, struggling this is the problem when you tr- create your question on the fly but uh like you you said like we don't sound like we did when we began and is that a conscious choice that you're making of like okay now i want to sound this way or these are what i'm this is what i'm interested in sounding like now god i really that was yeah. hard to get out <laughs> no that's okay because i told i totally get it I, I mean it's not like i sit down and say like well we're gonna be this band today um but uh it's i think it's more of a conscious decision of like I don't like I, especially because I I'm working on another record right now. It is the, it is a conscious decision of like, I, I want the vibe to be this and I want there to be, there's more keyboard on this record. You know, like there's more piano on this record. There's more um, like pop influence, you know, that it's, um, uh, none of it really sounds like pop punk uh, in, in the way that it did when we started. Um, and that's a conscious, that's definitely a conscious decision, but it's, it's also just like, this is the, it's happening because it's the music that I want to be making. and want to be playing and not because that's the thing that will get me on the next tour or, necessarily sell the most records <laughs> yeah i'm hoping <laughs> but, you know it's like i want to make the best record that i can but like that's that's what it is it's like i'm not i'm not necessarily trying to fit in, into a neat little like indie box i always think it's odd when fans or listeners of a band don't like it when they mix things up because i'm like isn't that what they're supposed to do like do like like it's always baffling to me when people are like, oh, they're early stuff. It's like, yeah, but they're artists. They're exploring. <laughs> like, isn't this yeah. the fucking point? Yeah. Well, and then on the on the other hand, you have people complaining. It's like, oh, well, they know how to write one song. Yes. I do like bands that are like that, but there are absolutely bands that have written one song and just do that one song really well. And like, that's fine. You can do that, but don't also don't give people a hard time for like, I don't know, growing. Yeah learning it's yeah it's it's always been because i've and maybe i'm different a lot of people would say i am (laughs) but it's like i get like really emotionally attached to a band and i like i want them 
like I look forward to seeing what they're going to do. Like I don't want to be like, oh, they're going to remake that album. Like I, right? Yeah, I follow exactly. artists to excite me and are pushing things. For sure, for sure. I mean, one of my favorite um, favorite songwriters is Nico Case, and um, you know she started her career much more in a country vibe. And that still comes through in her music, but it's very different now. And every every record she makes is is different, and I still like them because I really love her songwriting. But um, I admire that a lot. You know that just that I'm not gonna I'm not just gonna remake the same like country influenced music for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, she's an artist. Do you have any sort of like I don't know sort of concept like even if it's vague like someday i hope to do like this big like everyone always talks about like their sergeant pepper <laughs> um or their exile on main street is the other one people always seem to point to yeah well i um i it's weird it's like i i i've always tried to be like oh this is this you know the new record needs to be better than the last record and you know building on things. And I, and I do think that especially having so much time, um, not playing shows over the past couple of years, um, this, the record that I'm working on now, I think is probably going to be the most, like most I've invested in building a work or building an album as a body of work. Um, and I'm very excited. About it. That's awesome. Um, so I don't, I mean, I don't know that I've, I've had like, you know, the thought, from the beginning that like one day I'm going to make the thing. But, um, but I, but I, I think I'm, I'm at that point in writing music where I was like, well, this is it. This is, I'm making the thing I'm making, (laughs) I'm making what, (laughs) what I've always intended to make right now. And, um, and you know, we'll see see how that goes. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, no worries. Thanks. This, This was great. very much for listening to conversations with the wire please become a patreon subscriber if you like also subscribe to the show on your itunes or what have you not and tell your friends about the show that would mean a lot to me as well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or the mattdwire.com or conversations with the wire at the instagram and you could learn more about the show buy merch and all those great things thank you very much for listening